Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast on spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Thank you for listening. Learn more about our work and the work of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship on our website, sdicompanions.org. Have you ever noticed on the sdicompanions.org website a small purple chat bubble that follows you in the lower right-hand corner of the screen? This SDI chat feature is there to assist you, our SDI members, with questions you might have about most things related to our website and how to do things like renew your membership or access a webinar. And lest you think it's some virtual assistant AI robot, oh no, there is a live, breathing human being on the other end of this chat. And their name is Ryan. Ryan Hinson is our technical support assistant, and I thought it would be fun to talk with him and give the opportunity for you to get to know him a little bit. Ryan is interesting and thoughtful, and he has the perfect, calm, unflappable demeanor for dealing with any technical issues and helping people find and do what they need. I personally promise you, you will learn something new and interesting from our conversation. Okay, so Ryan, you are in your second year, two years, have you been with SDI, roughly? I think today might actually be the anniversary of me starting. What? Seriously? Yeah, I think so. That is so, so, such a wonderful coincidence. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about it until you asked. Um, well, because we've been talking about doing this podcast interview together for a while, and today was just the day. But happy anniversary! <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up my records. Yep, today is the the anniversary of me starting. So that's wonderful. Uh, well, okay. So backstory: the 2021 conference, the Renaissance Conference, mm-hmm. uh, was all virtual. And we implemented, this was Rory's idea, to implement this chat function on the homepage of our website. And it's called Talk2. That's the name of the technology for probably Mm -hmm. 100% of people listening who don't know. Uh, That's just what it's called. But it's the little chat bubble that appears on every web page in the lower right-hand corner of the screen. And it says, hi, have a chat with me about any questions you might have. And it was just going to be for the conference, you know, sort of a helpful way for people to get information about workshops or how to get on a Whova or whatever. But people loved it. And it was so useful just like across everything that we do that we've kept it. And it's been this amazing portal for people to ask questions, get information in a really quick and efficient way. And you're the chat bubble. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's that's. Over half of my job. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen you in webinars and, you know, showing up to provide support and, and you were the zoom host for the, for the journaling webinar that we recently had. Mm -hmm. So you, you do a lot of stuff, but I I wanted to, I wanted to interview you for the podcast just as the, the face behind the chat bubble, uh, as, as Ryan. And (laughs) so so here you are, and thank you for taking the time to uh, to talk with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, let's just talk about the chat bubble. Uh, how, do, right. how does it work? I mean, it's always there. 
because I, right. I see it every time I sign it, sign in. But you're not there 24 hours a day, obviously. No, I'm not. Um, and I think the I think the chat bubble does go away when none of us are uh, staffing it. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Uh, well, I think um, it's got set hours where it's on, mm-hmm. um, which is um, I believe uh, eight a.m. to 3 p.m. pacific time okay um and uh if you if none of us are there's i'm the one who's on it most of the time but there's also the uh the rest of the membership services team also gets on there um as well as rory the the coo if he's uh if he needs to he gets on there yeah um so if you go during those hours and none of us are on it just leaves a message basically you can you type in your chat message and and we can go in and see it later um but outside of those hours it turns off okay yeah so and maybe we should just say like what it is in case someone's listening and they don't know what we're talking about but there's a little is it it is purple right i should probably screen capture yeah um yeah it's like a light purple yeah um welcome to sdi if you have any questions you can ask them here and mm -hmm. just click that and ask my question and during those hours that you said somebody is actually monitoring that there's a human being there right who is responding and most of the time it's you yeah yeah so when when i'm working i always have it open um even when i'm working on other things when i'm answering emails or or doing some website maintenance i have that open too and so basically when I'm working on something else uh, and a chat comes up, I drop what I'm doing and go take care of the chat. Okay. Um, and I have a, a very different interface from what uh, users on our website see, but you know, it's, it's designed to um, you know, give me some information about the person's account. And uh, uh, it's also designed to show multiple chat messages at once because that is very frequently the case. Uh, it's it's actually not that uncommon that I'm only chatting with one person, uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward, honestly. It's uh, it's just a little chat window, and uh, it's, multiple, it's all live. Multiple conversations at the same time, that happens pretty frequently. Oh yeah, I mean, what what tends to happen is there will be no chats for you know half an hour or so, and then all of a sudden, three people will start chats at once. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so I'll be chatting with all three of them. And each chat is somebody, an SDI member, somebody who's using our website and That's right. has a question and they go type in that little bubble and you see it and you and you or someone else from our membership services team responds. And right. uh, it's very cool. And it's a very active chat space. People people use it really regularly. Yeah. Yes. I tend to get, I think my average is around 25 chats a day. Um, okay. uh, very often more. Um, on a busy day where we have multiple webinars or if it's close to an event that we're running, I can get over 50 chats in a single day. Yeah. And so, yeah, what kinds of pe- questions do people ask in the chat? It's how do I get onto this webinar? How do I register for something? Yeah. Most of the time it's uh, someone's looking for something. They don't know where it is. Uh, and so I just give them the link to where it is or tell them how to navigate there themselves. Um uh, a lot of times it's uh, people have forgotten their password and they just want to know how to reset it or they're trying to reset their password and it's not working for whatever reason. Sometimes it's questions about um, 
uh, what time something is or or they want me to look up something like uh like when their renewal date is something like that and like the that's information that's on the account page if you're logged in but uh sometimes it's just easier to ask in the chat <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for those of us who are immersed in the website every day day in and day out we're like oh it's on the account page or oh it's on the course page but right for most most people aren't spending all day on our sites and it's like just how do i get here and yeah so, and sometimes something's not working right too. Um, you know, sometimes like someone has paid for a webinar, but uh, it's not showing up on their courses page. Uh, and that's usually something I can fix. Yeah. And that's extremely helpful to know too, if something is wrong or out of sorts on the website, using yeah. that chat function alerts us very quickly that something is is amiss. And Oh yeah. Yeah. If, if something is, uh, broken for everyone uh i know very quickly because i will get dozens of chats about it <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's helpful it's good to know yeah. uh okay well what i'm sure you get some strange questions from time to time uh <laughs> what can you can you share maybe like a question where you were sort of taken aback or like that's a weird question to ask me or yeah i mean the the weird ones are things that don't have anything to do with SDI. Um, one time I had someone ask for help with their taxes. <laughs> uh, I don't know why they thought I could help with that. Well, I didn't really understand why they were asking me that. They they wanted help filing their taxes. Um, yeah, if only we were that kind of a full service shop for spiritual directors. Like, yeah, well, yeah. your taxes. Uh, that's a tall order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I wonder sometimes if people are testing the chat function, just like, is there an actual human being on the other side of this? Oh, people definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. People are curious if they're talking to a bot or not. Um, I can assure you, uh, I realize, you know, there's a lot in the news lately about chatbots. Chatbots are not that sophisticated. Uh, yeah. Movies and television really hype them up more than than they're capable of. Uh, it's pretty obvious that something is a chatbot. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's wonderful to sort of hear a little bit to to have this window into this little tiny function of the website that is, uh, you know, this this ongoing dialogue with our members that that you're interfacing with, and um, it's it's surprising and wonderful, like how how rich that that dialogue has become, and and what a useful tool that is for our community. Yeah, um, I get all sorts of questions on there, and it seems to really help people a lot. It's also um, a very fast way to get in touch with us, right? Because if you if you call, you're almost always going to go to voicemail because someone's already on the phone. Um, if you email, then you know, it takes time to get an email back, whereas a chat is a lot quicker. Yeah, usually. Well, that's a really good point. You know, so if you're <laughs> listening and you ever just want a fast answer chat is the way to go yeah yeah so if you have a, a billing question that's actually something i can't help with you'll need to contact the office for that good to know good to know
Ryan Hinson brings his skill and patience as a technology literacy professional to the technology support position at SDI. He has two decades of experience in online teaching, educational writing, tutoring, and tech support, as well as a Bachelor of Arts in Religious Studies from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Outside of this professional role, Ryan enjoys growing hot peppers and native fruits, foraging, cooking, and playing video games. Uh, well, Ryan, what? who are you and how did you come to SDI? <laughs> I ask all these questions about the chat, but let's tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, um, I got started in um, tech support, um, started a tech support career um, back in the 90s. Um, I was still in high school. It was the middle of the the dot com bubble. And I just walked into a computer store and said, hey, do you need help? And they said, as a matter of fact, we do. Can you fix that computer? And they pointed to a half assembled computer sitting on their workbench. And I walked up to it and I fixed it. And they said, great, you're hired. When can you start? <laughs> and uh, that was the beginning of my IT career. I've learned a lot. I learned a lot at that store and and at every job since really i continued doing that in college um went to school and and while i was a student i got a job with the university doing tech support for the university uh and since i had a career going i figured i didn't need to get a degree in uh in you know an occupation because because i already had this career going so i uh got a degree in religious studies i just thought it was interesting I had no aspiration to uh, pursue any sort of religious-related career at all. By the time I was done with college, I had uh, started a kind of a come-to-you computer repair service and uh, did that for several years after college. And then after that, I got into computer literacy because one of the things I noticed while I was running my own business is that People often wanted me to come over, not because their computer was broken, but because they needed help learning how to use their computer. So uh, by the time I shut down my business, that was most of what I was doing, was just tutoring people, mostly uh, English professors at my university. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, think my, I think my names got spread around the English department. And they pretty much all hired me at some point. Wow. Um, it's interesting how literacy and tutoring became such a core part of what you do. It's not you're not yeah not fixing as much as you are teaching, helping. I think there's demand for that, um, like more than it's being met. Uh, that's at least that's been my experience. Um, my, I shut down my business during the recession. Just work dried up. I couldn't sustain running a business anymore. I ended up getting a job for a nonprofit in technological literacy where I was teaching classes online on just basic computer use. And our students there were from all over the world. Um, oh, cool. And that was fascinating. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a really important skill. Just knowing basic computer use is very empowering. It can make a very big difference in someone's life, um, especially considering how much of the world runs on computers now. Yeah. Well, that first job in high school where you walked in and you fixed the computer, how did you know how to do that? Oh, <laughs> uh, self-taught for the most part. My parents had bought a uh, a computer when I was pretty young, kind of in the late 80s. 
they had bought a personal computer, right? Which was a bit unusual at the time, but they both had jobs where they would occasionally uh, need to bring a file home and work on it from home. So they bought a personal computer to do some word processing. Um, and then, you know, a few years went by, that computer was old and slow. They bought another computer and they were going to get rid of that first computer. And they asked, or, or I asked them if I could keep it, if they were just going to throw it away. Uh, Cause it had been long enough that it wasn't really useful anymore. Um, so I just started taking it apart and putting it back together and just learned the basics there. Um, I didn't know a whole lot. I, I knew enough of how to replace a few parts, uh, diagnose a few simple problems. And that's how I got that job at that computer store. And then, so, uh, by the time I quit that job to go to college, I was building probably six to 10 computers a day. Oh, wow. That is a lot. Yeah. That's what the dot-com bubble was like, just big demand. Well, so you had this aptitude and you had this career and it was flourishing and you were in college and mm -hmm. you realized that you didn't necessarily need to pick up vocational skills at college because you already right. had them. So you went into religious studies. Yeah, that wasn't intentional at all. I, I started off in English and then I went to philosophy and then I went to math at one point. And so I was just taking a lot of random classes that seemed interesting. And one day, I think I think at the end of my sophomore year, I still hadn't liked any major I had um, tried to explore. And so I sat down and looked at my transcript and realized I had more credits in religious studies than any other department. And that every time I'd taken a religious studies class, I really liked it. And I really liked the professors and I really liked the students. So I decided to pursue a major in that instead. Well, how would you describe your your draw to that? Was it just a like a, a curiosity, an intellectual curiosity, a spiritual curiosity? Largely intellectual curiosity combined with the core ethos of religious studies, at least at that department. All of the professors, uh, especially if they were dealing with freshmen and sophomores, would open their class kind of explaining the point of religious studies is to understand things as best as you can through someone else's eyes and that you need to let go of your own ideas and worldview and opinions and beliefs in order to do so and that if you learn to do this you know then you'll have this expanded view of the world that you won't have access to otherwise. Um, and I was very compelled by that approach because I think, uh, especially, you know, in the Western world, we have these uh, very clear ideas of right and wrong and, and good and bad. And it was very interesting to encounter other ideas. I think by the time I finished my degree, I realized that program had made me a much more compassionate person. And I, I would say that that compassion it has carried over into your work, you know, doing tech support. Something you said there was really compelling, you know, seeing seeing the world through someone else's eyes. I think that might be like the key to providing good customer service, good technology support is what is obvious to you is obvious to you, but not necessarily to someone else and understanding that, you know, for many maybe most people technology is a real hurdle it's a real obstacle yeah doing things yeah absolutely uh, that's been a big part of my experience especially with tutoring 
right? I think I think getting my start um, when I first uh, was doing tech support on my own as a freelancer, I I worked so much with you know professors and business owners, right? Who were you know by all accounts very intelligent, very accomplished people, and I realized after a while they felt intimidated by their computers, right? And I realized that my goal was to get them to a point where they didn't feel intimidated by their computer, where they realized their computer was a tool, much like a screwdriver, much more complicated, but um, that it was a tool that they could wield to their benefit and they just needed to learn how. Uh, and yeah, I think I think the the skill I learned in in seeing things through someone else's eyes in religious studies really helped with that, helped me become a good teacher. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it reminds me of that proverb. What is it about fishing, right? Like, <laughs> right. You know, feed someone by catching a fish, but like teaching them to fish and they feed themselves for a lifetime. I know I totally butchered that, but that's the essence of it. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. You are first and foremost a teacher and you are a compassionate listener. That's certainly what I try to do. You know, I get told that I succeed. So. <laughs> I'll take it. You do succeed. You do so much for our community. And it's such a gift to have your presence on our staff and, and wielding the chat so deftly and, and thoughtfully. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So tell us something fun about yourself. Like, what do you, what do you enjoy? What do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, well, one of my favorite hobbies is gardening. I particularly like to grow hot peppers. Uh, I really enjoy the flavor. I enjoy spicy food. Uh, my garden most years has anywhere from 40 to 70 hot peppers in it. Wow. Like different, like 40 total peppers or like different varieties as well? Yeah. Total number of plants. Um, I'll usually stick with about half a dozen varieties each year. There are three or four varieties I'll grow every year because they're my favorites. And then the others I'll mix it up each year pick something new that I've never had before. Do you grow them from seeds? Usually not. I usually buy seedlings um, from a nursery that uh, that I've been buying from for a decade now. They do very good work. I'm always pleased with their seedlings. Growing from seed is one of the most labor-intensive parts of the process. So to me, it's been worth it to go to them, you know, give them 60 bucks, get a bunch of seedlings. It, yeah. it works out. <laughs> okay. Two pepper questions. One, what's the easiest pepper to grow for somebody who's not a green thumb? And well, let's start with that one. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So a lot of people, I think, want to start with something like a bell pepper. And bell peppers are actually going to be a lot harder to grow. They're a much more sensitive cultivar. So one of the easiest ones, I think, is called the pecking pepper, uh, which it's not always labeled as a pecking. It's often labeled something else. But it's basically a very tiny pepper that gets, you know, no bigger than the fingernail on your little finger. Oh, wow. And that is a cultivar that is uh, one of the closest to the wild pepper, like when it first evolved. So it's one of the hardiest cultivars. So that one's very easy to grow. It's usually sold as an ornamental pepper. It's often sold without the intention to uh, be grown for food, but it actually tastes very good. <laughs> At least I think so. But it is quite hot. Yeah, you can handle spicy, I take it. It's a, I guess that comes with the territory. Oh, that comes with growing peppers as a hobby. <laughs> yeah, you get quite a tolerance. Um, yeah. 
A more common one would be jalapenos. Jalapenos actually grow quite well in most climates. Uh, they're one of the hardier cultivars. They tend to be prolific producers. Uh, and jalapenos are on the mild end of the spectrum and they taste great. The key to growing good peppers is... Sunlight. Peppers want a lot of sunlight and they really like warm weather. They don't do well, like even they'll survive down to just above freezing temperature, but they're not going to grow. They need it to be warm to grow. So sun and heat. It sounds like, yeah. a, like a greenhouse plant for some of us in northern climes. Yeah, in the more northern uh, parts of North America, you would need a greenhouse probably. Uh, although I've heard of uh, some folks in Canada grow them. They'll start them from seed inside and then move them outside, say, by the end of May. And then they'll, they won't survive for very long. They'll, you know, because the first frost in much of Canada is early October or late September, and that will kill them. Uh, but that's enough time to get some peppers. What's your favorite pepper? Actually, the pecking that I mentioned earlier is one okay. of my favorites. Uh, my three favorites would be jalapeno, cayenne, and pecking. Okay. What do you do with them? I mean, you can just take them raw and cook them in the meals, but do you like, do you can them? Do you, do you keep them? Yeah, I, I cook with them fresh a lot, um, but I grow far more than I can keep up with cooking fresh. So I dehydrate most of them. I bought a dehydrator. You can get a nice dehydrator for a hundred dollars. Uh, so I can fit, uh, I usually don't even fill up the dehydrator with, with 70 pepper plants. That's, that doesn't quite fill up my dehydrator on a single harvest. So, um, but you know, during peak pepper season, I'm, uh, running my dehydrator pretty much constantly. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Takes about two days, two full days of running the dehydrator to, to dehydrate the peppers properly. I, this is wonderful. This might be the most informative podcast we've ever had because we've been learning <laughs> about peppers and computer support and how to contact SDI the most efficient ways. This is uh this is really fun. Is there okay. yeah, I mean, is there is there anything else you would like to share with with uh with our community? Don't hesitate to reach out to us if you need help with something. If you just can't find something or something, you think something may not be working right, you know, we're here to help. That's the whole point of the membership services team. It doesn't have to be over the chat. It can be email. It can be phone. We're always ready to help, though. Uh, make sure you're logged in. That's the most common thing I see is people say, hey, I can't get to this page. And the problem is they're not logged in. Yeah, right. you've got to be logged in to access your webinars. Well, maybe you just cut your chat by 50%. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, this is great. Thank you so much, Ryan. This is this is a lot of fun. And it is a gift to have you on staff and have your gentle heart and support. Oh. Well, thank you. Well, I was I was drawn to this organization because it's an organization of compassionate listeners. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. 
Also, we would love to hear from you. So please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.